0: Well, you know, we've got a couple people. Lane and Cindy are moving to Florida, and and uh, Duena, She's coming back from Wisconsin. And one of the things I notice when people move, they try to downsize. And people that don't move say, "Oh, I would dread thinking about moving," because you develop all this stuff and you accumulate things. And today we're going to talk about what is the church. And and as I as I thought about it, you know, I thought about even as when we think about the church, I think about, wow, over a period of time, you can start to accumulate things. And you know, in our situation now, it's kind of like simple church. I, there's, there's books out, I think, are called Simple Church. And uh, I think we're in a simple church mode. And, and you know, there's a part of me that, that thinks, well, this isn't all bad. There's a part of me that thinks, just like in our house, you know, you give us enough time over 30, 40 years and we accumulate a lot of stuff. And I'm not so sure that in the church we don't maybe do that sometimes too. You know, not meaning to, but it just, over a process of time, we just accumulate things and we, we think that, well, things have to be a certain way and we, we, we develop mindsets. And so today I want to just take a look at scripturally what is the church. You know, what is the church? What does the Bible say the church is? And the first scripture I want to look at is in Matthew, the 16th chapter. In Matthew, the 16th chapter, um, Jesus had asked his, his disciples, who do you say that I am? You know, everybody had an opinion about who he was, and he was a prophet, and he was this and he's that, and he said, but who do you say I am? And Peter stood up and he said, you are Christ, the son of the living God. And then in verse 18, Jesus says, And I say to you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He said to Peter, Upon this rock, upon what you've just said, that I am the living God, that upon that statement, upon this rock, I will build my church. He doesn't say, You will build my church, Peter. He says, I will build my church. You know, first and foremost, we have to realize the church doesn't belong to us. The church isn't ours. Jesus says, I will build my church. It's his church. It's not our church. And Jesus will build his church by his spirit. It's by his spirit that he builds the church. You know, it's not so much as we think sometimes by our cunning and our Craftiness and our intellect and our abilities, and God uses all that. but we have to remind ourselves that He builds His church, and he does it by His spirit. And that as he builds his church, he calls that church a body. He says it's his body. In First Corinthians 12:27, he says, "Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. We are the body of Christ. We are his body. We are the church. And it's a living thing. You know, it's not an organization, it's a living organism. It's meant to grow. It's meant to grow naturally, supernaturally. You know, I think the church growing is supposed to be just a natural thing, it's supposed to grow because it's a living organism. We're the body of Christ. The Bible says it's a spirit that gives life. And so his spirit now gives life to this body called the church. And that body now becomes what he wants it to be. You know, there's a lot of different organizations. and They're not bad. I'm not trying to say that organizations are bad. But, you know, there's a lot of different organizations out there that you can belong to. And, you know, organizations function and should function different than the church or the church should function different than organizations because the church is the body of Christ. We're a living example of him on this earth. We're not just an organization. And as his body. We have to realize that that body has a head. And and the, the Bible says that Jesus is that head that he's the head of the body. And he's the, one, he's the one that gives us life. And then we're members of that body. We're each members of part of that body. And the body of Christ is not those of us just sitting here. The body of Christ is believers all over the world. You know, when we, when we say church, we should think a lot bigger than just, well, our church. We need to remind ourselves that we're part of a large body, a large body of believers in many different places, many different places being who God's called them to be. And we're all part of that. We're all members of his body. And what does that mean to us that the church has many members? In uh, 1 Corinthians, the uh, 12th chapter, it talks about this. It talks about the members in the body of Christ. And starting at the 12th verse, in 1 Corinthians twelve twelve, it says, For as the body is one, there's one body, but it has many members. But all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. We've been all made to drink into one Spirit, for in fact the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I'm not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I'm not part of the body. Is it therefore not part of the body? And if the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if it were all one member, where would the body be? So it says, you know, we're all, we're all part of one body, but we're all different members. We all are different. We all have different parts. We all play a different part. We all bring something different to the body. And we all function differently in that body. And then in verse 20, he goes on, he says, But now, indeed, there are, not, indeed there are many members, yet one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you no much rather those members of the body which we seem which seem to be weaker are necessary those members of the body which seem weaker are necessary now this is where the body of christ starts to become really different than organizations and businesses okay because now all of a sudden weaker people are necessary and if you think about it in in our society What do we do with weaker people? We always thin them out. We always thin them out, you know, in work or in sports. You know, that's why you have tournaments, so you can weed out the weak ones. But now we see that the body of Christ says that the weaker ones are necessary. And it says those members of the body which we think to be less honorable. It doesn't say that there aren't some. It says those members of the body which we decide are less honorable. So if there's somebody, you look at them and say, well, I don't know what they're doing here. Now, you would never say that, you know. Or, well, I don't know why they act like that. Or, I don't think they should do that. Somebody, you know, says whenever there's somebody that we think to be less honorable, here's what we're supposed to do. On those we bestow greater honor in our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Or if one member is honored, all members rejoice in it with him. It's opposite of how the world thinks. The church is completely opposite of what we think would be normal. That if there are those who we deem less honorable, those who we think for some reason aren't worthy, those who we think don't measure up, on those we're told to give more honor. We're told to give them more honor instead of being critical, instead of putting them down, instead of telling them they ought to get with the program. Instead of telling them, you know what you need to do. On them we bestow more honor. Because that's what they need. That's what they need. That goes contrary to our thinking. Because a lot of times when somebody is, is less honorable, we think they need straightened out. We think we need to correct them. And sh- get them to straighten up. And the Bible says, no, we're to give more honor to them more honor so that they can be built up so that the body of Christ can grow so we can all get to the place that God wants us and we're not to give preference you know we're not to say well now there's somebody that's worthy of my attention there's somebody that I think is worthy of me spending some time with there's there's somebody that I think would be worth getting to know them the Bible says if you see someone who you think is less honorable, to them you need to give more honor. You need, to, you need to give them what they need in their situation. You need to encourage them. You maybe need to get involved with them, spend time with them. You know, that's, that's really difficult for us. It goes against our natural thinking. It goes against what we would do naturally. You know, when we think about having a friend, we usually think about some, somebody you have something in common with. You know, that's, that's what you think about a friend. You think, well, I'll get to know them because we seem to have so much in common. You know, the church is supposed to get to know somebody when you don't have things in common. You know, we're to care for somebody when, when we don't maybe feel comfortable. And so we begin to see that the church is different. The church is different. It's different than organizations. It's different than a business where, you know, you, you, people get attention because they can do something. I, I always remember a, a large company, and I read one time that every year they want to do away with the bottom 10% of their company to keep, you know, progressing and moving forward. Now just think about that for a minute. If you're always getting rid of the bottom 10%, are you really progressing? Every year you get rid re- of, where do they go? Well, that company prices. I don't care where they go, they're just out of here. Because we're trying to what? We're trying to make money. We're trying to succeed. And I understand a part of that in business. But if that's part of your philosophy to always get rid of the lower 10%, that's against Scripture. Now that's That's not scriptural. In the church, we're to encourage and reach out to those that are weak, those that are poor. How else can the weak say, then I'm strong? It's only the love of God will ever show them that they can be strong in their situation. Irregardless of their abilities or irregardless of who they are, that God wants to take each and every one of us and use us to our fullest potential. Whatever that is, whatever that is. And then we see that the church is a family. The church church is meant to be a family. The Bible says we have a Father. In John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And there's hundreds of scriptures in the Bible where Jesus calls his Father, Father. Father. He's the Father. He's our Father. He said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father which art in heaven. He's our Father. We have a Father. The Bible says that God is a Father to the fatherless. He's a Father to those that don't have fathers. He's a Father to those that don't have an earthly father. He's our Father. The Bible says that Jesus is his Son. Jesus is the Son. So it's a family. It's a family. One time Jesus was asked who his family was and in Matthew, the 12th chapter, the 46th verse. While they were still talking to the multitudes, behold, Jesus' mother... And brothers stood outside seeking to speak to him. So while they're talking to the multitudes, Jesus' mother, his real mother, earthly mother, and his brothers stood outside and wanted to talk to him. And one of them said to Jesus, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. And Jesus answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he stretched out his hand toward his disciples, he said, Here are my mothers, here are my mother and my brothers, for whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and my sister and my mother. What was Jesus saying? You know, we always talk about bloods thicker than water. You ever heard that saying? You know what? Jesus says Jesus says that it's not. He says that these folks who I'm not related to are my mothers, my brothers, and my sisters as his real mother stood wanting to talk to him. He says, in the family of God, it's it's the family of brothers and sisters that we see as our family, that this is family. It's family because of the fact that we have a father, the same father. It's a family because Jesus is a son. That we're family. That we're family with one another. It's not organizational. It's living. You know, when the whole picture of the church is, it's a living organism. It's a living organism. It's not organizational. It's living. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive by God's Spirit. And living organisms are meant to grow. It's meant to grow. It should be a natural function of the church to grow. Because it's a living organism and it's going to change and grow just like any living organism. And that's, that's what we're a part of. It's not, it's not just the organizational part. It's not just the fact that, that you know you belong to a church. But it's a fact that we're a part of a body. It's a fact that, you know, this morning part of our body is meeting in Rising Sun, Ohio. Now see, we usually think those people over there are just over there, and they're just some, you know, they're just folks that meet over there in another building or something. But those folks are part of the same body that we're part of. It's not divided by walls. It's not divided by walls or names, but it's the body of Christ. It's bigger than that, and we're part of that. We're part of one another. And you know, sometimes we may look at another church and say, well. You know, there are only 10 of them, and so they're not, they're not. You know, if we really do that, it's that whole thing of looking on somebody that's weaker and saying we need to bestow more honor on them, not talk down about somebody. Because we're part of the same body. We're members of that body. And you know, in that body, there's authority. There's authority in that body. We have a father, you know, like in... Normal families, there's authority. Supposed to be authority in the families. Oh, and by the way, the children aren't supposed to be the authority. Just thought I'd pass that along. You know, it's, it's meant to be the fathers, the mothers. They are the authority. Well, it's the same way in the church. Look in First Peter. First Peter, the fifth chapter. Beginning at the first verse. Paul says, "The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the suffering of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eager, not as being lords over those entrusted you, but being examples to the flock, and when the chief Shepherd appears." You will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. The church has authority. The church has there are those in the church that have authority. But the difference between the church and the world is that in the church the authority is called to serve. The church, in the church, it says that those who have authority are to serve, not lord it over. And we're to serve willingly. You know, did you ever in a weak moment find yourself doing something in the church and you're going, oh, I'm so tired of that. Oh, I don't know why I have to do that. You know, it says, no, we're to serve willingly. We're to serve willingly. We're to willingly want to serve and serve those around us. Not under compulsion. We're to be an example to others. We're to be an example of serving and it's important as we as we have positions and i think even in the home when you think about fathers you know fathers in a position of authority your greatest position as a position of authority in your family is to serve your family it's not to lord it over it's not to boss but it's to serve you know we're to serve as jesus served and he came to this earth gave up his pos- position in heaven and came to this earth. And right before he died, he said to his disciples, he said, I want to wash your feet. And they went, "Oh no, you don't, you shouldn't do that. You shouldn't do that. Don't no, no." He says, "No, I'm here to serve." That's the example that he gave to us. One of serving. And so as we as we have positions as we have places in the church where we we have some authority maybe over a situation, We must always remember that we're called upon to serve. That's that's our position. It's one of serving. It's one of showing an example of Christ. And it says that we're to be examples to the flock. We're to be an example to others around us. Be an example of his love to those around us so they can see that love that he has for us. It's not do as I say, but it's do as I do. You know, a lot of times, you know, we want to, well, just do it because I said so. Well, you know, your children your children will do it maybe because you say so. But, you know, they're going to do it because they saw you do it a lot quicker. And then when, you're, when they're 30 years old, you go, where did they learn that, good or bad? <laughs> they learn by example. They learn by example. Well, they may fuss and say, I'm not going to be like I'm not going to be like my mom or dad. And then all of a sudden you find out, well, I'm a lot more like them than I thought I wanted to be. You know, that's, that's what happens. We, we lead by example. We serve by example so that others can see. What's the purpose in all this? What, why? Why, why, does, why does God have a church? What's the purpose? Look at Ephesians, the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the eleventh verse. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. And the purpose is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, the building up of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of Man Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The purpose is that we have those set in the church so that the body can become Christ-like. and So we can become Christ-like. It says we need to come to be the perfect man to the measure and to the stature of the fullness of Christ. That should be our goal that should be what we're about, to become like him, to become like him, so that when we talk, it's different than the world. When we talk and the words we use are different than what the world says. So the people may look at us and say, "Wow, you're different." You think, "Why well, I, I didn't do nothing. Why? Why do you think I'm different?" Because we're becoming more like Christ. We're being equipped. We're being equipped to carry out his purpose in the world. I'm fully convinced, I'm fully convinced that as we look around us in the world today and as we think about this, the state of the world, that I think the church has to take full responsibility for where the world around us is today. We can sit and blame everybody else, but I think we have to look at ourselves and say, Somewhere along the line, we didn't become the fullness of the body of Christ. Somewhere along the line, we were no longer an example to the world. Somewhere along the line, we started not to be what God called us to be. Somewhere along the line, the world became a greater influence. Somewhere, all of a sudden, it wasn't all of a sudden, but somewhere the world started to get the momentum. I personally think where we're at right now is the world around us in our city, in our country, the world around us has got a momentum and we're at a tipping point. And what I notice is when you get to a tipping point, things go really fast. Once you get to a tipping point, it takes a long time to get there. But once you get to a tipping point, things can go really fast because momentum tends to be in that direction. And what we're seeing right now is I think we're seeing things move a lot faster away from what God intends it to be. And the reason is because the church hasn't done what the church is supposed to be or do. That we've dropped the ball. We've quit being the body of Christ in the world around us. We quit being an influence in the world around us. One of my biggest prayers right now is, how can we be an influence in our community? We have a unique situation right at this moment. And let me just say this, and it's, it's a soul-searching for me, but I just want to say, you know, we're in a position right now that, you know, once you, once you get to a certain size in a church and you, you start to have buildings and things to take care of, if you're not careful... You can lose sight of purpose. You can lose sight of purpose and not even know it. It's kind of like getting all that stuff in your house and all of a sudden you go, what is all this stuff? What is all this stuff? And what do you say? Well, we really don't need all this stuff, but I don't know, all of a sudden we got all this stuff. And what what I'm wondering is, in the church, can we get to that place in the church where we got all this stuff and we don't even know that is keeping us from doing and being what God wants us to be. So we're in a unique situation. You know, we can walk away from this building once we put the chairs away. (laughs) We can walk away from this building, and guess what? I don't worry about it till next Sunday morning. You know, don't even worry about it. What does that mean in a practical way? You know what that means? That means that we should be able to put our full potential, and what we could do into doing what God would want us to do in the community. And one of my prayers is, and you can pray about this, what can we do in our community to make a difference? What can we do in our community to make a difference? Outside of these four walls. What could we do to make a difference in our world? And each of us have to think that way. What can I do to make a difference in my world? workplace? What can I do to make a difference where I go to school? What can I do to make a difference wherever God's put me? What's my purpose? What's God's plan for me? What does he want me to do? What does he want me to say? What, what, can, I, what can I do? And for me, that's a serious prayer that I think we need to, Lord, show us what you want us to do. Because we're in a position now to be able to do that. We're in a position now to say, Lord, what could we do? And I encourage you to think outside the box. Think outside the box. Think, well, oh, we could never do that. Don't be so sure. I don't know what God would do. I don't know what, I don't know. I mean, I'm not telling you, I don't have, a, I don't have an answer. I'm telling you, I got a big question. I got a big question. What does God want us to do? I'll tell you something else to think about. What does the community around us need? What do they need? What's a need? I, I'm not sure. You know, I'm sure there are needs. But what's a need that we might be able to meet? What's a need that we could maybe reach out to? How could we make a difference? How could we become Christ like? How could we become Christ like today, wherever we're at? do what it is he wants us to do for me i think that's our one of our biggest questions right now what what's one of our biggest questions is the body of christ in this place what does god want us to do what does he what does he have for us how can we make a difference oh we could just sit here and say wow isn't this wonderful we're such a happy little family you know, sometimes that's, a, that's something the church does. You know, well, we're a happy little family and, and we don't care, you know. We don't care what happens outside these walls as long as we just stay a happy little family. But I think, I think God has more for us and he has purpose for us. You know, 12 disciples turned the world upside down. 11, actually. 11 disciples turned the world upside down. God doesn't need a lot of people. He just needs people to willing to let him work through them and use them to be what he wants us to be wherever we're at and then together make a difference in the world around us as you pray pray about that pray about that what is it that God really wants us to do and you know we all might have different thoughts like, oh, I like to do this. And I, you know, it's not so much, you know, what you maybe like or like, don't like to do, but when you think about a group, you have to think, what does God want us to do? What does He want us to do? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't have an answer. But I believe God does. And I believe He's not going to keep it a secret. I don't think He wants to go, well, I got a lot for you to do, but I'm really not going to tell you. You know, I really believe He wants to show us. And I really believe he wants us to be faithful to him and to make a difference and to be the body of Christ in the world around us today. To be what he wants us to be. Let's all stand. Heavenly Father, we pray that you would just help us to see your church the way you see it. Lord, help us to see that we're we're members of your body. And Lord, help us to remember that your body is huge. And Lord, we're part of that. And then Lord, help us to be faithful to what it is you've called us to do. As individuals, we all have different functions, different parts of the body. We all do, do things differently. But Lord, as we, as we function the way you want us to individually, also help us to function the way you want us to do together. Lord, that we could make a difference in the world around us. Lord, let your church be the church. Let your church be the church. Lord, help us to be faithful to you. Lord, help us to hear what you would have us to do. Lord, I pray if anyone has a need this morning, a personal need, or maybe someone they want to pray for, Lord, you would encourage them to come up and let Tom and Pam pray for them this morning, and or maybe maybe they need to pray towards the back a little bit, in the middle, or um, off to the side so they won't be caught in the, all the chairs being moved. But, Lord, I know that uh, there are needs and you want those needs met. And, and maybe people can just find somebody to pray for them or, or as I leave, I could pray for them or however that is, Lord, you'd help them if they have a need, that they would seek out someone who could pray for them. Lord, we thank you for caring for each and every one of us. Lord, we thank you that you care for the weak. Lord, you you put a high priority on the week. So, Lord, help us to do the same. Lord, we just thank you for that. We just pray you dismiss us now with your blessing. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.